Welcome back to another episode of Brotherly Love in the District. Tristan here, along with Jacob. And Jacob, you want to tell them what we're going to get into? Yeah, so Jay, so starting off, we have um, we have something different since NFL's in such a slow time, like I mentioned last week. We're going to do the all-time Washington and Eagles lineup. So this week we're doing Washington, so you'll be able to see it from a Washington fan's perspective and an Eagles fan's perspective. Going on into the NHL, the NHL draft is in a few hours, so we're going to give our last thoughts on that. A and few finally, hours? It's in 30 minutes. It's in 30 minutes. And then finally into the MLB, the Nats and Phillies have just recently played a series, so and they're currently playing now, so let's get right into it. All right, so did you want to start off with the all-time teams or – uh there were yeah, a couple other like things that i've heard from other places and let's start off with that all right so did uh did you see where miles sanders came out of the gate calling the he said the eagles team basically looks like a pro bowl team i have not heard that but that's a little bit of a stretch there dude and and you know what it reminds me of do you remember back in it was around the 2010-2012 time frame where uh, Vince Young called the Eagles the dream team. Vince Young of all cor- of all people. That's that's the kind of feel I'm getting it off of. Other Eagles fans are not liking the fact that he's calling it the dream team because of the fact that Vince Young did the exact same thing, kind of uh, throwing the team into a rut before the season even starts. There are a couple other people like just totally tearing them apart for doing that. And uh, one other thing I saw, this one's on Washington, is Washington is going to be expected to run the ball quite a bit. And I, I'm like, I want to see what you think about that. Because obviously this is a passing league, uh, but like with it, Antonio Gibson and everything, like what do you? It really depends because with Gibson, I don't think he's really that great of a runner yes he gained a thousand yards but he still doesn't have that vision that like some natural running backs have like he's a converted running back and he has and one he, he played slot receiver in college yeah and one he has a problem with holding onto the ball and his ball carrier vision really needs a lot of help um if we were to run the ball a lot it would be because of peyton robinson running well, and then that's so you guys just drafted that guy out of Alabama. I think his oh. name is Peyton Robinson, but I don't know. Then, um, um, so we'll use our running backs a lot, but running the ball, I don't know. Um, so yeah, Antonio Gibson, he Brian Robinson is yeah. who it was. Uh, but. I think that's why they picked him up because they think he's more of a natural running back as opposed to Antonio Gibson. And JD McKissick is another guy that stays, that runs out of the backfield. And I can tell you right now, you are going to be pissed throughout the season with Carson Wentz because he does not check the ball down. Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick's draft fantasy draft stock is going to plummet this season because Carson Wentz has an issue with trying to be the hero 
and trying to make big plays downfield when they're not there instead of checking the ball down. And hopefully he can, like, hopefully that's fixed because our offense is built off of that. We're the exact opposite in the fact that we rarely go downfield. We go when it's there, and obviously when opportunities arrive, but we're kind of like that West Coast offense where try and get three or four yards every play, you know, that kind of offense. And hopefully Carson Wentz can change because this is his last opportunity. But I, 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 I don't want you to be right, but I have a very horrible feeling you're going to be. So, yes. Yeah, so, but that, and one other thing, how you were saying like about the way their offense runs, Ron Rivera is a running coach because he's more defensive minded. So mm. he wants to he wants to run the ball more because that's just how all defensive coaches are. And so I mean, I think that'll help because of the fact that uh, Carson Wentz doesn't like to check the ball down a ton, but it's gonna be interesting to see how the Washington offense runs with a running offense as opposed to a passing offense. I think there, I think there's going to be a nice mix. I think if our offense is going to be the most successful, we're going to have an even mix of short passing, deep passing, medium passing, and running the ball. I just think Carson Wentz, he just needs to limit his mistakes. And what I mean by that is you don't need to be the hero at the time. Our defense, it's supposed to be good and hope. I think they will be playing good because I think last year was a big smack in the face that they needed because I think they realized they can't just rest on their on their laurels. And it, I think it's good sometimes for a team to be put back in their place. And hopefully that's what happened. And hopefully that our coaching staff figured out how to coach these guys. So it's, it's going to be an interesting season to say the less because well, I think for both of our teams, the quarterback position has such a huge question mark because I can see each of our quarterbacks having great, like, breakout seasons, each of our quarterbacks having horrible seasons and getting possibly getting pulled. So, yeah, we'll have to see how it plays out. But let's go ahead and get into the all-time team. So, you and I already have one off the bat that we don't agree on, which I texted you about earlier because I was wondering where you were going to go. Um, so I'll explain my mine first. And I have like all the all the stuff here is uh, so obviously I think people from the outside and the, the place my head first went for all time quarterback was Joe Theismann. I mean, like when you think Washington quarterbacks, Joe Theismann is the one you think about. I think what also helps that thought is the way that his career ended with the Lawrence Taylor sack and destroying his leg. But uh, as I was going through, I was looking between him and Sonny Jurgensen. So Sonny Jurgensen played about 32 games less than Joe Theismann. And he played in 10 years. Joe Theismann was around for 11, but he only has a little less than 3000 yards, less than Joe Theismann. He has a better completion percentage, 19 more touchdowns, 
22 less interceptions, uh, same yards per per throw per attempt, uh, 17 about 17 more yards per game, 11 less game winning drives, and then the records. He's a little bit closer to 500 than Joe Theismann. But what made me, what made it for me, is the fact that one. Sonny Jurgensen is a Hall of Famer. Joe Theismann is not. Five-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, and an NFL champion. And Joe Theismann is a two-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, and a one-time Super Bowl champ. So I just thought Sonny Jurgensen was going to be the move between those two. But then I'll let you set you tell yours. And that Before I for give my quarterback, I'm going to give my take on these two quarterbacks. I think Theismann... If he didn't get hurt, I think he could have gone on to pass Jurgensen in terms of all time. And he, I think he could have ultimately made him to the Hall of Fame because um, I think he was still decent. I mean, in 1985, he wasn't having the best of years, but that team was a really transition team. So I still think he had a, some decent football left in him. But with Sonny Jurgensen, I think he was an infinitely better quarterback. He was a a 90s style quarterback, but he was in the six, the 50s, 60s, and 70s. That's and- that's another thing that made it for me was Jurgensen played from 64 to 74, and Joe Theismann played from 74 to 85. So Sonny Jurgensen, I mean, not that either of those were prominent passing leagues like it is now, but they still the further back in time you go, the less passing there is. So to do that from 64 to 74, only have a little bit less than 3,000, less than Joe Theismann, more touchdowns, better completion percentage, less interceptions, like all of that. Just the fact that it was earlier than Joe Theismann also made that choice for me. And keep in mind, those are those 60s Washington teams, some of those teams were truly awful. I mean, they were bad, bad, bad. I mean, we got them in the Norm Sneed trade, which I think is one of the worst trades in NFL history because Norm Sneed sucked. But they were perpetual losers in around 500. And one for me, this is biased, but one of my biggest, two of my biggest what ifs in NFL history is what if Sonny Jurgensen didn't get hurt in that season where we went on to face the perfect um, Dolphins because that was a very winnable game. And Billy Kilmer, he wasn't the quarterback, Sonny Jurgensen. And I think we possibly could have won because he had the accuracy. He had the smarts to be able to deal with that, deal with that team a lot. And I think if, if Vince Lombardi never got colon cancer after his first season with us, I think we, I think we maybe could have gotten to the point where we have two more championships, maybe one, at least one with Sonny Jurgensen. Yeah, for me, that's a big what if because he took a loser and made them in one season, made them pretty much 500, which is a big step. That's what Joe Gibbs did. So Sonny Jurgensen is a great quarterback. But for me, it had to be Sammy Ball. That's my pick. He was the first great passer in NFL history that you cannot argue that he made pass like passing a thing. And for one thing, he was a great all-around player because one year he led the league in interceptions, punting, and passing. That will never be done again. I will, I'm willing to bet my left foot on that, but I went with Sammy Ball, NFL 100 team member, and 
one of the first great quarterbacks in the NFL. 1937 and 1952. And that's, I was looking at him too. And I was so close to changing my mind. But when I asked you who's your, who yours was, I wanted to keep it the same. I wanted to keep mine the same. Cause you said yours has changed. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, still impressive. Just 700 less passing yards than Sonny Jurgensen. Little, little worse completion percentage, only by a point and a half, though. Uh, eight more touchdowns than Sonny Jurgensen threw. A lot more interceptions than Sonny Jurgensen threw. And Sonny Jurgensen threw 116, and Sammy Baugh threw 203. But keep in mind, this was the genesis of passing. Like he was the yeah, earliest. this is still early, early. And like, and for the longest time, Sammy Ball, he wasn't playing as a T formation quarterback. He the position was a little different. And if you look at his mechanics, they were so in today's scope, they look very janky. They look very strange. Like if a coach were to see a quarterback with those mechanics today, they would blow a gasket. But yeah, I, w- I went with Sammy Ball due to the fact that he was one of the earliest passes in the NFL. But yeah, he does have more interception numbers, but I just think that's the development of the game. And then after that, you got he's a six-time Pro Bowler in the Hall of Fame, four-time All-Pro, two-time NFL champ. Uh, so one I was NFL, looking, but won an both- NFL championship in his rookie year. I think they're both. They were both good choices. Like I said, I didn't want to switch it. Yeah. Had I not asked you, uh, then I maybe would have said something, but I didn't even think about that at first. So uh, that's my quarterback. I'm going with Sonny Jurgensen. At the end of the day, there's that's two great choices. Yeah. Uh, all right. So who's your running back? John Riggins. Easy. Yeah. There okay, was now here, here's, no question. All right, I figured that was going to be a no question. So I'm actually going to throw a wrench in the gears here for a sec. John Riggins is listed as a fullback. Take out, pretend one of your wide receivers doesn't get to, you don't get a slot receiver now, okay? So it's now two receivers, a fullback, and a running back. Who's your running back? Um, Bobby Mitchell. He was the, um, he came from Cleveland. He was the first player of color in franchise history. He gained 1,000 yards. He's like kind of like Sammy Ball. He's just uh, one of the building members of our franchise. Well, under the modern scope, his stats are not as great, but he was an all-around great, great running back. In 1962, he ran for 1,300 yards, 11 touchdowns, 63, 1,400 yards, 7 touchdowns, 64, 900 yards, 10 touchdowns, just an all around that's great. receiving actually he oh, that is receiving. Re- he was more of a receiver than he was but a, he was list he's lifted as a halfback he's list, listed as halfback running or wide receiver he's listed as all three yeah he's an all of, but if you wanted me to choose more of a prototypical halfback um i could say brian mitchell but he's more of a returner anyway so that's a little that's a weird conversation. I would I would say Clinton Portis. Clinton Portis. Yeah, I think Clinton mine. Portis, he he had Hall of Fame talent, and I think he left the Hall of Fame career on the board. I, that's just my opinion, but 
his years with Washington were amazing. He was one of the few bright spots in an otherwise pretty crap team. He only played for six years and is second in rushing all time in Washington. So Mm -hmm. second all time in touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, he was putting up good numbers and 81 yards per game. That's kind of that is ridiculous. Uh, Being at the next closest. Wow. I'm looking. Oh, that's because it was only one player, but. Uh, the next closest was Terry Allen with 78. He only played three years, though. Uh, the next closest person who played at least five years was Riggins at 65.5. There's a couple in here who only played two or three years with Washington. Lionel Vital. I looked at, I sorted it by yards per game. He was the first one up with 115.3, and that blew my mind. And then I realized that he only played three games. If we're going with one back, whether it's considered a fullback or running back, it's John Riggins. He gained more yards in his 30s than he did in his 20s. He had 24 touchdowns in 1983. He he carried us to the Super Bowl in 1982. He's undoubtedly the best back in Washington's history. All right, and who are your three receivers? Art Monk, Charlie Taylor, and a bit of a homer, Santana Moss. I I was thinking about going with Santana Moss just because I figured that I was like, this is a guy that I watched a little bit, but I mean, just going straight off the stats, I went with Art Monk, Char- Char- Charlie Taylor, and Gary Clark. So, I mean, I switched up a little bit, but Santana Moss was definitely on on my radar. And who's your tight end? Um, this is a homer pick because I actually met this. I know who it is. I know who it is. It's Chris Cooley. I I was between I was between Chris Cooley and Hugh Bones Taylor. Wow. I went with Hugh Taylor just because this is another this is another guy. Like you look at the time frame. He played in 1947 to 1954, 5,233 yards. That is the – that's less than 200 yards or just about 200 yards under the next tight end, Jerry Smith, under him. He had 19 yards per reception, 58 touchdowns, 55 yards per game. I mean, he just kind of put together a great career for a receiver in the 1940s and 50s. That's Yeah, back when it was undoubtedly a running league. Exactly. So, I mean, that's – and he – Listen to this height and weight. Like this is a twig if I've ever heard of one. Six four, but hundred and ninety four pounds. <laughs> That'd be like, like if I. That is that is six inches taller than me, and about thirty pounds heavier than me. Like that yeah, is just that absurd. Is. Now, if you get a six four player in the NFL now, he is at least two thirty, probably closer to two fifty. Like that is just insane. Uh. But yeah, definitely a bruiser. And then offensive line, I I didn't even really know where to go. I like, did. It's I, mean, I just went with the original iteration of the Hogs, which is Joe Jacoby, George Stark, Russ Grimm, Mark May, and Jeff Bostick. That's the original one that led the 82 and 83 team to a super 
two Super Bowl appearances and one Super Bowl victory. That lineup, even when it expanded into the 90s, I think is one of the greatest offensive line units that we've ever seen in the league, even if even when it had a few interchangeable members. For me, I have Joe Jacoby, Russ Grimm, Jeff Bostic, Vince Pramuto, and Turk Edwards, which I was I was looking up some other people's rankings and judging it off of them. It's it's harder to go to another team and look at their offensive line. Uh, and a lot of it, like Washington hasn't had any notable offensive linemen in recent memory. Cause like Trent Williams, Brandon Sheriff. Brandon Sheriff's not even on the team anymore. He's no, he's a thing else. Now. Uh is he where is he? I don't know where he I uh, thought he was with the Bengals. I don't know. Who was who the other ones that you said? Trent Williams? Yeah. Trent Williams, I'll give you that. Uh, but, I mean, right now Trent Williams is with the 49ers. But the, uh, the people – Jags. When I think of, like – you think of, like, legendary linemen, first off, I mean, this might be a little bit of a homer pick because – but, like, Jason Kelsey, one of the best centers to ever do it. I think he's going to go to the Hall of Fame – uh good jason peters another hall of fame he's a hall of fame left tackle and then you got andrew whitworth uh who who's the left tackle that played for the browns can't think of his name right now Joe thomas yes joe thomas he's a hall of famer like there there are a couple you got joel bitonio like there are a couple other linemen in the league that i think of that are legendary uh alex mack like those those names come to mind a little bit more, and Washington just hasn't had that in recent memory. So it was a lot harder to think of than, like I can tell you right now, the Eagles won. I can I think all of all five of the linemen are going to be from this generation, they are. like from two thousand on, because they've just the way that they've groomed their team to produce offensive linemen, no doubt, and I can understand that a little bit more. But uh. Moving over to defense, we went with a 3-4 front. So I have two DNs, a nose tackle, two outside linebackers, two inside linebackers, two corners, and two safeties. Mm-hmm. You want me to just list all mine off or, like, go front seven? How do you want to do it? Let's do the front three first. Who do you have? Uh, Charles Mann, Dexter Manley, and Dave Butts. I have the same thing. I, I had to put Dexter Manley in there. I mean, he leads the team in sacks in history. Well, Kerrigan does now, but Dexter Manley had a shortened career in the decade of the I don't, I don't think, does he? He does, he he passed him, he does. Kerrigan passed him, but in the decade of the 1980s, the only player that had more sacks than Dexter Manley was Lawrence Taylor. And keep in mind, after 1987, Dexter Manley had severe drug problems. So that should tell you how good he is. I mean, there's a genuine argument that he should be in the Hall of Fame. So I'm looking at pro football reference and they have someone's numbers wrong then because, oh, I wonder if it's sacks. They're like sacks all time, not just. No, because I remember a game where I remember on here, on here that. it says, uh, on here it says Dexter Manley has 97 sacks and Ryan Kerrigan at number two with 
Ryan, I just pulled up where it says Kerrigan. This is on football database where Kerrigan has 95 and a half and Dexter has 91. It could also just be a typo, but uh, I I apologize for that. I was going off pro football reference, and I guess it just had the wrong numbers in there. But, uh, yeah, I and then obviously for linebackers, I have Ryan Kerrigan in there because you got to have the sack leader in there who I thought was Dexter Manley, but – but Ryan Kerrigan, he's an eagle killer. Even when he was on the Eagles, he was still killing the Eagles. <laughs> he, uh, I told you that was a bad signing. I mean, he was old, and he just didn't fit in the system. I don't know why he went there of all places. He wanted to get playing time, so he went to a team where he only started two games. But he did. But the Eagles are a rotational team, so he got to play more. And he just didn't even start. then, why would you go there to begin with? And uh in the nfl the definition of starting is just the player who plays the first snap so i mean he could play 99 percent of the snaps but if he doesn't play that first snap in the game he's not considered the starter so uh and then the rest of my linebackers i went chris hamburger wilbur marshall two absolute tackle monsters and my homeboy from linebacker you, LeVar Arrington. That, that's the only – well, I have Kerrigan, and then I have LeVar Arrington on the other side because that's a homer. When I was younger, I had an Arrington jersey and I had an Arrington action figure. But my two middle linebackers, I cannot believe you missed these guys. London Fletcher and Hall of Famer. I, I, I thought about – I, I thought about a London Fletcher. Sam Huff's a little bit of a homer, mainly because I met him. Um, and I got a signed picture from him, but Sam Huff, that guy was a beast. London Even Fletcher when, did cross my mind. I London, thought about it. London Fletcher has very similar stats to Ray Lewis, but he's not in the hall. I think London Fletcher more than deserves to be in he's the getting hall. Getting snubbed. Okay, yep. so I mean, and I might take some hate for this, but the hall kind of, sort of, kind of is a popularity contest. It is. Like, there, you have players in there who shouldn't be in there. I mean, look in the MLB. Barry Bonds isn't in. Like, they're, it's kind of, it's a little bit of a popularity contest, not entirely, but still a bit. Uh, this, these are the parts that I'm excited for. I mean, I'm personally, aside from offense, once you move over to defense, defensively, I love the secondary because I mean, that's what I grew up playing corner and safety. So I, I love the secondary side of the uh, secondary part of defense. But do you have as your corners? Daryl Green. Who, I think we're going to have the same too. Yeah, Daryl Green, who is a top five cornerback of all time. I do not care what you say, and I will down this hill. He is the fastest player to ever play in the, in the entirety of the NFL. And just to keep in mind, after he retired, he ran a 4-4-40. I mean, I, I have that never is, even, I've never even that sniffed is a 4-4-40. And he ran it after he retired when he was over 40 years old. That should just tell you how fast he is he ran down tony dorsett and eric dickerson that they looked like they were walking and i also have champ bailey who got a start yeah. with us Th those are those are the same two that i have i mean champ bailey's a hall of famer uh daryl green led the team leads the team in interceptions in history uh same two guys i have
I'm pretty right. sure he holds a record for most consecutive seasons with an interception. I think it's like 18 or 19, I thought, I think. The safeties, I could see us having a little bit different. And I don't think so. I doubt it, but there's one player that I kind of feel guilty putting in here. And with that, well, I'll lead it off just because Yeah. I feel guilty putting him in here, but I put Sean Taylor in there and Ken Houston. And That's the reason who I have. The reason I feel guilty putting Sean Taylor in is because he didn't get to play much. Like he didn't have a super long career because he ended up uh, unfortunately passing away, but he like just the potential that he showed, it was insane. So, I mean, that's, that's why I put him in. And also, I mean, I love a, uh, a good hard hitting safety, um, but yeah, the potential that he had and what he showed, he showed to have that same type of play style as Brian Dawkins and Ed Reed and Troy Polamalu, like the greatest safeties to ever play the game. So that's I that's why I put him in there just because he of the way hit he like he hit like a freight train, like Steve Atwater, even in the like Pro Brian Bowl. Dawkins. Yeah, on a punter, no less. But he also showed great ball hawking abilities in his last season, two thousand seven, in nine games. He had five interceptions that I'm pretty sure that is more than Brian Dawkins has had in a single season. I may be wrong. I'm going to look that up real quick, but that is absolutely ludicrous. Yes, I was correct. Brian Dawkins only had four, but five interceptions in nine games. He would have ended his career as a top five safety. And it's just a shame. It really is a shame that we lost him so, so young and I'm still I'm still pissed off of how they treated his memorial um, and the fact that Jackson Mahomes was dancing inside the um, like roped off area with his number on it. I think that is that whole situation was a mess, but Ken Houston, a strong safety, one of the greatest safeties to ever play. There's really no arguing there. He can make some all-time NFL lineups. Now, quick thing. One thing I do have to say about your little Sean Taylor more than Brian Dawkins in his career. Yes, I know. Brian Dawkins, Brian Dawkins was a more of a box safety. Yeah. Yes. All yes. right. Well, I just want to make sure that it was put out there. <laughs> but still. Um, but, yeah, that's all I have. Now, that one, football is harder than I thought it would be. I, I didn't expect that one to be as, that, as hard as it was. I'm, I'm, I think the Eagles is going to be hard in certain positions. Like for me, I'm, sh- I'm going to be struggling with linebacker. I, I'm going to be struggling with linebacker too. And I'm I, an think Eagles line, I think the secondary is going to be okay. I think the safeties, I I'm going to struggle with one of the safeties. Corner is going to be hard. I, I think I have one corner. I already know one linebacker that I'm going to put in. Bill um, Berge? No. Uh, yeah. Chuck Bednarik. Oh yeah, the the sixty minute man. But uh, yeah, I mean that their their defense might be a little hard, but I mean I feel for the most part they might be a. I, obviously, since I'm an Eagles fan, I know a couple more people, so it, it might be a little bit easier. But uh, 
Yeah, that's going to be fun. And that one is For me, coming. Quarterback is going to be another. Quarterback is going to be rough. I'm because... going to be doing the same thing I did on this one. And I'm going to have their stats right next to each other, comparing them side by side. Because you can certainly argue that Sonny Jurgensen could make it because his single season touchdown record held up until Carson Wentz, I believe. I yeah, think... I'm, I'm not even thinking of Sonny Jurgensen on the list. I mean, he. I don't think he. Well, he's not going to make it for either of us, but he's certainly in consideration. Yeah. But I have a few other guys. I have Van Brocklin. There's guys like McNabb. You can put Jaws. Jaws. I, I was thinking you got Jaws, Cunningham, Randall Cunningham. Cunningham he got injured too early. Donovan like, McNabb. Like, yeah, it's going to be got a couple of good quarterbacks to choose from. Same with running back. Running back's going to be hard. Kevin I, Cobb. Definitely not Kevin Collins. <laughs> uh, Nick Foles. Yeah, it, it's gonna be, I can't man. believe you didn't you didn't pick the Washington legend Donovan McNabb as your oh. quarterback. The Minnesota Vikings legend. God, that was such a strange. You, you didn't you didn't put Washington and Tampa Bay legend Deshaun Jackson in your wide receiver. What court. about Washington and Eagles legend James Thrash? Hey. Don't be hating on James Thrash. Uh, he, he did go back and forth a lot. Yep. Those were definitely his two favorite spots. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> that's that's going to conclude it for the NFL. Um, Want to talk about hockey a little bit? Yeah, we could talk about how the draft, which is two it's minutes. underway, right actually. I, I want to pull that up just because I want to see if uh, – I want to see if they're going to make the pick while we're on because the Flyers pick at number five. But one big thing around the league is that the Chicago Blackhawks traded Alex Dabrinkit to yes. the Senators for a second, third, and fourth, I believe. Yes, it was. I think it was a 2020. No, it was, I think, a first, second, and third. I'll pull it up real quick. Yeah, but I yeah, I, a combination of that. I saw, the, I saw the trade and I was like, Whoa, what I was shocked. I mean, yeah, same. I think that's a stupid move, and I think that is an amazing fleece for the Senators. I, I think I disagree. I think really? it's yeah, I think it's the opposite way, just because the so there were a lot of fans calling for calling for Debrinket to come to Philadelphia and everything. So they have to offer sheet him, which means uh you have to basically give up a ton like the senators did to get him. He's going to be making about nine mil this season. And then on top of that, you're only getting one season out of him. So you're going to sign him for nine mil this year. And then what if he decides to walk next season, you just gave up all that draft capital and all that money for a single season. They're going to re-sign him. The reason I think this is a great move is, He's 24 years old and he's already played five years in the NHL. And so, that's pretty much five full years. And last season, he was a few points away from being a point per game player. And he's only 24 years old. The uh, the trade was Ottawa got Debrinket and Chicago got a 2022 first rounder, 22 second rounder, and a 24 third rounder. I think that's a great trade for the Senators. I mean, there's only one way to find out. I don't think, personally, I don't think it was that great of a trade but there's there's nothing uh no way you can tell until they play it out i mean 
Ottawa, you've seen try to make moves to get players, and sometimes it just doesn't pan out for them. Kind of like the Flyers and, well, the Caps as well. Every team. I mean, as a GM, you're never going to pick 100%. Uh, so, Anthony Mantha, that, that's, that's yeah, another one. Johan Larson, that's another the, bad one. The moves that you're going to make are, aren't going to be 100% all the time. So as long as you're – if you're about 30 35%, I'd say you're pretty successful. One-third of your choices being successful is pretty good as a GM. Uh, but the obviously the draft's underway. They're probably doing all sorts of ceremony things prior to the actual draft. There was one yeah. thing that came out right after our episode in the last one, and this isn't going to be like huge, like breaking news for you because it's not a player who's in the organization yet. But do you know who Ivan Fedotov is? Was he the was he the um, Flyers goalie that was detained in Russia? Yeah, he was detained for uh, – obviously, people know we have a military draft here. Well, Ivan Fedotov avoided that in Russia, and he got detained for it. And he uh, – yeah, so – and Kirill Kaprizov was supposedly involved in it. So he's also under investigation. But Ivan Fedotov was supposed to be coming over this season – uh, he was on his way over and he got detained before he could get over here. Uh, cause he, like the numbers he were, he was putting up in Russia were insane. This past season in the KHL, he played 26 games, had a two solid, two goals against average nine, 19 save percentage two two shutouts, 14, 10 and two record in the playoffs, 22 games, one, eight, five goals against nine thirty seven save percentage one shutout. 16 and six in the playoffs. And then he also played in the, in the Olympics, he played six games, a one, six, one goals against average, a nine forty three save percentage in the Olympics, two shutouts, and then went four and two and they won silver in the Olympics. Like he was just putting up crazy numbers in Russia. They were going to bring him over hope and hope that in the next couple of seasons, he could do a one, a one B situation potentially. And, uh, yeah, he got detained, so his hopes of playing in the NHL on hold for right now. Yeah, and it's Russia, so we don't know when that's going to get solved. Yeah, that, that could be an issue for a while, especially with what they're going under. Uh, but yes, Ivan Fedotov having a little bit of an issue over in Russia. Uh the draft this year in Montreal, kind of fitting with Montreal having the first overall pick. Consensus number one overall pick being Shane Wright, but there's talks about a potential change in that with uh, – I can't remember his name off of top of my head, but there's talks – there's talk about the Canadians not going with Shane Wright with the number one overall pick. I, I haven't really been paying that much the draft outside the Capitals. I mean, one thing that I th- I would be okay if it were to happen tonight, I don't think it will, is if we traded Carlson in our 20th pick for like a 
a younger, but more like solid defensive player and some more help or whatever the package may be. But outside of that, I haven't really been paying attention. I know we have the 20, the caps have the 20th pick. I'll be interested to see what happens. One thing I think, I just realized is that I think Nick Backstrom should do a Nikita Kucherov and that'll open up $9.2 million in cap space. So I think that would be a good move for us, but outside of that, I don't know a lot about the draft this year because like you've said earlier, it's, there's a lot more questions with this draft considering that they haven't played as much hockey. So the chances for you finding a steal higher, but also the chances of you finding an absolute bust are higher. So we'll see. The The other player I was think of, thinking of, and excuse me, because I'm going to absolutely butcher this name, name with flying colors, is Yuraj Slavkovsky. I think I did that. I think I said that pretty good. But uh <laughs> A 6'4", 230 winger out of Slovakia. And that's that's the one that uh, there's a lot of people going up in a rage about because the Canadians are – looks like they could take him with take him with their number one overall pick as opposed to Shane Wright, who, like I said, is the consensus number one overall pick. Uh, then the other five prospects – the Capitals don't have a num- number one pick this year, do they? first overall pick i think we have the the 20th pick i think i thought you guys traded away your uh i think we have the 20th pick i will pull that up real quick but uh then so the top five players in the draft you got shane wright at number one yuraj slavkovsky at number two Logan Cooley, USA. Uh, he's a center at number three. Simon Nemec, defenseman, six foot, 200 pounds. And David Jiracek, defenseman, 6'3, 190. Now, looking at those two, those are probably the two most likely to fall to the Flyers are Jiracek and Nemec. Now, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad if they picked one of those players, because I mean, they, as you've seen, the flyers could use the help on the defense, but at the same time, they also have a lot of defensemen in the system. Uh, but personally, I think I'd want to go with Nemec, the six foot 200 pounder, just because of the fact that he's smaller, but he's bulkier and gives the flyers defense a little bit more muscle, which is something that they don't have on their defense uh ryan ellis is hurt they like you said the nikita kucherov situation which is what they look like they might be doing they'd open up about six million cap space uh so i i could see them doing that but i i could see the flyers taking one of the d-men and i think i don't think i'd be too mad about that unless they can find a a stud goal scorer to pick instead and the capitals have the number 20 pick yeah i thought for some reason you guys didn't have a pick this season i mean i draft i think soon they should 
really start to make a lot of trays and cuts like Eller needs to be gone. Um, Johan Larson needs to be gone. Carl Hagelin needs to be gone. I personally think you John Carlson. Into full rebuild. Not full rebuild, but a retool. I think John Carlson needs to be gone. He still has some value. I just think we need more solid, pure defensively. Our defense really sucked last year. It won't happen. We'll just do the same thing. We'll just basically slightly retool and expect different results. We'll lose in the first or second round probably the first yeah I just think Brian McClellan our GM should be a lot more aggressive and he just isn't and one other thing I've also which obviously the people will know by the time this comes out whether it happened or not but there have been talks about the Flyers potentially trading their pick in the first round and trying to get more more assets which I wouldn't be opposed to they don't have a a bad move but who would you trade it for you thinking like prospects assets whether it's prospects whether it's other draft picks like i said they after this pick they don't have another one until the third round so maybe you can trade the number five pick to someone later in the draft like the capitals or uh the Jets who have they're like, not going to trade with the Caps. Just I'm just saying. I mean, in the draft, anything could happen. The Eagles traded with the Cowboys two seasons ago when they got Devontae Smith. You never know what's going to happen. But the point is, like, I could see them trading down further into the first round and giving one of those teams the fifth pick, and then you can also get a second rounder. So then you have a first rounder and a second rounder, and then you have your draft filled in for the rest of the night. So. Well, the rest of the draft. So there's a couple situations, but uh, only one way to find out. And we are going to be seeing here in a little bit. Uh, it has like the picks officially started or are they probably just still in. They're, they're still in like game. Martin LaFleur, son of Guy LaFleur just spoke. And there was some other lady who just spoke, but uh, Gary Bettman's back up to the Make stand. Picks. And I'm thinking they're going to be starting the, huh? They just need to get yeah. on with it and make the pick. I, I think I think they're about to start it Gary Bettman's back up to the stand so they should be getting the draft underway any minute now but while we're waiting on those uh you want to move on to baseball not really okay so that means yes but first we do want to tell you guys to go check out our friends over at bomb burger food truck uh they're there at Brossman's farm stand Every weekend for, on Saturdays and Sundays, you can follow them on Instagram at Bomberger, and I believe they have a Facebook too, but they post all their updates there. They do all their catering there. Really good people, two hardworking young guys, really good food. I've had it myself, highly recommend it. So you guys should go check them out. Uh, now on to the lovely game of baseball which I do indeed love at the moment. Uh, I mean, well, because Kyle Schwarber is... Kyle Schwarber is on a tear. heck? I mean, he's still batting 226, but he has 27 home runs. And the Phillies actually just beat Washington 5-3. to three. No surprise there, and you beat us earlier 11 to nothing. That was a good game also. And Kyle Schwarber is inching closer and closer to Aaron Judge on the season. But I'd wow. still rather have Aaron Judge. He's having an infinitely better season. Oh, I mean, all around Aaron. That, the Yankees are playing 
the MLB on rookie Dick. mode right now. Like, they it's are ridiculous. Just, uh, absolutely killing them. I'm they're 59 and 23. I'm sure there are teams who only have 23 wins on the season. Uh we're I'm, around that range. I'm gonna figure that out, but the yeah, I mean they're they're just destroying people. So it's I think unless there's a double header. Uh, I'm going to pull up the standings real quick and I'll double check on that. But yeah, I mean, not having, it's ridiculous. Uh, but Kyle Schwarber, like you said, putting up a great season right now. Uh, and Kansas city only has 30 wins. Oakland only has 28. Cincinnati only has 28. So the Yankees have five less losses than the least amount of wins in the league, which is impressive by yeah. both by both the fact that you only have 28 wins and the fact that they only have 23 losses. Uh, so, but Kyle Schwarber putting up absolutely great numbers. He is amazing in the month of June. Uh, I'm going to pull what up is with him in the past two years in the month of June. He like turns into freaking Babe Ruth and Barry Bonds. He's I, I don't understand it. I it is I mean understand us being bad because it's us, but ah, when Bryce Harper broke his thumb, I thought you guys were gonna kind of take a nosedive, but nope. It also helps that uh you're pitching good. Yeah, the the bullpen is nine and three. And they were nine and three in the month of June. So they that's, were putting up good a, numbers. That's, that's, good. that's something that they weren't doing much. Uh, so they were putting up good numbers. But you I'm guys weren't even up, doing close to that. I'm trying to pull up Kyle Schwarber's June split for this, this season. Uh, but splits, here we go. 2022. And here we go. Last 28 days. He is 26 hits, three doubles, 13 home runs in the past 28 days. 26 RBI, two stolen bases, 15 walks, 260 batting average, 357 on base, 680 slugging, 1.037 OPS. Uh, so yeah, I mean, in the last month, he's just been tearing teams apart and teams, I'm sure these pitchers are fearing going up against him right now. Uh, I would, you kidding me, but you know, what else has been a big piece of that is yes. Like you said, when Bryce Harper went down, I thought for sure the rest of the team was going to go down with him, but let me tell you that this guy, Derek Hall, who came in has also he's ridiculous he is also in just for like now don't get me wrong he is no bryce harper but to come in as a rookie and be putting up the numbers he is when you're stepping in for bryce harper who is having an ml an mvp caliber season he's not doing a half terrible job so i'm not complaining about the things that he's doing uh he his first three hits in the MLB were all home runs. Uh, 
He has multiple extra base hits already. So he's played eight games, DHing, two doubles, four home runs, seven RBIs, batting 290, uh, and a one, 1.032 OPS. So, I mean, he stepped in into Bryce Harper's spot and had no issue with it. So definitely put together a, putting together a good season for him early with the injury of Bryce Harper. And Bryce Harper said, look, I'm going to make it back before the end of the season. You can count on that. So, which is what we're going to need because this, this playoff race is already super close. Some quick NHL news. Mark andre Fleury just signed a two-year deal with the Wild. He, so he's staying in Minnesota. You know who might not be staying in Minnesota? Kirill Kaprizov. Why would he leave, though? No, with the whole oh, Russia. With, oh, yeah. the, the whole Russia thing. He, yeah, he may he may be leaving Russia, but just or Minnesota just not voluntarily. Exactly. Uh, another thing that I think has also helped is players like the defensive side is doing good, especially Matt Veerling. Matt Veerling overall, he has been putting together a great defensive stand. I mean, he's been playing everywhere. He was playing in left field yesterday or two days ago, he played third base today. Like he plays everywhere. So Matt Veerling also stepping into whatever position they ask him to putting up good numbers. He's batting 248 on the season with a 714 OPS. Uh, other than that, I mean, I, I feel like the team has just come together better under Rob Thompson than they did with, I can't even remember his name at the moment. Joe Girardi. Girardi. Girardi, yes. So, I mean, I feel like the team's just coming together better under him. And they kind of realize, like, oh, we were really messing up, and now they're they're stepping up. So, yeah. Um, on the Nats, we still suck. We're, I mean, we're really bad. I think we're going to start getting into trade talks. I think Bell's going to be gone. I think Nelson Cruz is going to be gone. I think they could trade Victor Robles, which I would not be against at all because it it seems like he doesn't really know what he's doing at the plate. It sometimes seems like it'd be one of us up there just randomly swinging with no approach. So, yeah, I think you're going to see another small blow up, not as big as the one last year, but you're going to see a lot of trades and who knows what, where this team is going to be in two or three years. I really don't know. But bright side is Josiah Gray, good player for you guys. So. And Kiebert Ruiz, he's he's starting to come into his own. You're having a couple of the right pieces yeah, we, already uh, put together. We have, the, we have some good prospects. It's a small, small glint of future success. The uh, – First pick is in in the NHL draft from the Canadians. It doesn't look like we're going to get to the Flyers pick, so we'll bring that to you guys on the next one, which actually works because it'll give us time to uh, look back at the pick and look into it a little bit more because, like we said, the NHL draft is a way bigger animal than the NFL draft. There's not as much to go off of, and there are – 12 other leagues to look at as opposed to just the NFL where you just have college. So it's more of a shot in the dark. I feel agreed. Yeah. Cause I mean, these are, 
they're kids for the most part. They're they're younger you than us. Get, once you start getting to the third, fourth, fifth round, yeah, you're starting to pick 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds. I mean, in the first round, you're you're for the most part going for like closer to adults, still kids, still younger than us, still like 18, but uh it's still Oh, and it looks like the Canadians. Yep, Canadians picked Yaraj Slavkowski. I'm updating the NHL draft like uh, Twitter feed, and the first thing I saw is the price is wrong, bitch. From um, yeah, yeah, from Happy Gilmore. Yeah, apparently Habs fans are not that happy. Yeah, they did not enjoy that one bit. Uh, that I've seen a lot of memes with uh with Yuraj Slavkovsky potentially how going number one. How pronounce his name? That, that's how I'm going to pronounce it because that's about all I got. That guy. Yeah. But he's 6'3", 218. They yeah, he's a big, big, big body. Big but That's about all I got. Oh, actually, you know what? I want to go through the, the past – go a little bit through the schedule. I mean, it's been a little bit since we did that, and I want to look at the standings real quick, and then we will finish it off there. So they had a big series win against the Cardinals. Phillies are now in a wild card spot. So if the playoffs were to start today, Phillies would be in. They had a big series win, two to one series win against the Cardinals, two to one series win against the Nationals, one that you needed. You would have liked to see a sweep there realistically, but, you know, sometimes stuff happens. It's baseball. They have a four, four game series put in against at the Cardinals coming up starting tomorrow. Then they go to Toronto, and that's going to be a huge test. That, that's a good team. It's a two-game two series. The, they already switched the, they switched the pitching rotation so that Zach Wheeler will be pitching against Toronto because of the way that their team is built. I mean, their team is insane. Uh, you got Vlad Guerrero, Bo Bichette, uh, Alejandro who's, Kirk, who's the best catcher in baseball, all of a sudden he's the best catcher in the league this year. Do uh, they still have? No, they don't have. They don't have Simeon anymore, right? No, he's on the Rangers, and he's he sucks. He's really bad this year. All right, I didn't think so, but I mean, Toronto's team is still insane. Ryu got hurt, which is big. Ha- Hajin Ryu, because that was their ace. He got hurt, but. He's going to be out for a while. And then we have the Marlins after the all, going into the All-Star break, after the All-Star break, home against the Cubs, and then another three-game against the Braves at home, which is going to be a big series, especially after the series loss that they just took to the Braves before that Cardinals series. They need this one at home. Uh, they need that one insanely bad. Because, I mean, they're about three games out of the Braves as we speak, which I will confirm here in a minute when we go over the standings. And then after that, they go to Pittsburgh to face O'Neill Cruz and the Pirates. And O'Neill Cruz has been playing out of his mind, too. Uh, came up into the league and in his first game, threw the fastest ball across the diamond and in another one of his first games in the MLB hit one of the hardest hit balls in the league on a season. So absolute animal there. Uh, and the standings, 
we're still just, last just to rub it in your face i uh, mean we we got whooped by the marlins we actually beat the pirates in a series but we have a series against the braves coming up next week i'm actually going to be at one of those games it's star wars day but yeah we're gonna lose a lot of ball games coming here soon let's go for 50 wins on the on the season the mets are 51 and 31 leading the division Atlanta only two and a half games back. They're catching up. 49 and 34. Philadelphia five games back of Atlanta and seven and a half games back of the Mets, 44 and 39. But like I said, aside from Toronto, St. Louis, they're coming off a rough patch against Atlanta. Then they got Toronto, and then they have a little bit of an easier stretch. So they need to start winning games in there. Uh, Miami, 11 games back of the Mets at 39 and 41 and Washington just a measly 22 and a half games back of the Mets at 30 and 55 coming up the rear so yeah Mets make or Washington making it interesting going into the wild card race and like I said right now if this playoffs were to start right now Philadelphia would be in by a half game San Diego three games up on the Phillies and Atlanta five games up on the Phillies. St. Louis only a half game back of Philadelphia. So they have a long season still ahead. Barely, I don't not even a hundred games in. So a lot of baseball left in the season coming up on the all-star break and they get a nice little break and hopefully they can push, push back on the back half of the season. Uh, but with that, that's all I got. Anything else from you? That's all I got. The Nats are just horrible. Uh, so you guys can follow us on Instagram at BL in the DC, where you can DM us questions and comments. You can email us questions and comments at BL in the DC at gmail.com. Uh, you can rate us on Apple and Spotify and leave us a review on Apple. And go check out Bomberger. And with that, we are going to end it off there. So we will see you guys next week. See you later.